This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. In order to advance racial equity, there is work for white people and people of color to do together and separately. The Project Sanctus Affinity Groups provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and a registration, visit projectsanctus.com. Exploring the healing and culture-building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 57 of With Love and Justice for All, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, with special emphasis on the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers and in spiritual communities. I am your host, your co-host, uh, Reverend Ogan Holder. Uh, yeah, hello. Here. I'm here your with, host. Here with my co-host, the other host. <laughs> I was going to say... Sometimes sometimes I get to say something. So no, yeah. no. I was going to say I'm your host and introducing my other host, but I figured that you wouldn't let me get all that out. So I, I pivoted. I pivoted midstream. We are the co-hosts <laughs> of With Love and Justice for All. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Coming to you uh, twice a week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Special thank you to all of you who are listening, who are subscribing, and who are very importantly rating us in and on the various platforms you listen in. Um, shout out to our listeners in Missouri and Texas and California and countries like France and the United Kingdom and, and Mexico and wherever all over the world. I didn't check to see if these are updated or not, but um, we're going to say that they are. Um, um, and they're still listening. So um, today is October 28th. It is Friday. Um, it is our, our headlines edition. And we're calling it Lift Me Up. Lift Me Up and other headlines. We're going to get to why we're being lifted up um, and all of that. Uh, but first, a few a few announcements. We're back in church. Give us some announcements. <laughs> but first, <laughs> um, if you want to join in the conversation, you can message us on Facebook or Instagram. And our handle is at Get Our Holy On. Uh, you can also, we have a phone number. You can call and leave a message. It's 413-GET-HOLY. So 413-438-4659. We are coming up this next Tuesday is our last um, 
gathering for our 846 nonfiction book club. And we've been working with Do the Work, which is literally doing the work because it's a book that's a workbook. It's an anti-racist activity book, and it is phenomenal. It's by W. Kamau Bell, a comedian, um, and uh, Kate Schatz, an activist, but uh, he's, you know, an activist as well. But most most of us know W. Kamau Bell as the comedian and um, United Shades of America. Um, what is that on CNN? Yep. Anyway, um, it's a and it's an amazing book and one I think we will repeat again because it is so full of practices and activities chock full, and chock full that oh, and, never ending learning. And if you're thinking, wait, it's your last gathering and I missed all the ones before and there's no point showing up. That's not true. Uh, it's you not. Drop in for the last session because what we're actually going to do is, is go back Um um, and hit some of the things that we missed because we're so much stuff in the book. Yep. We gave ourselves an extra week. We gave ourselves an extra week, sort of like pull it all together. And we realized that we just didn't cover everything or talked about everything. It was <laughs> Which usually happens anyway. Usually happens. <laughs> Don't give yeah. away. Don't give away the okay. inside secrets. Um, so, <laughs> oh, so yes. Inside secrets. Okay. Exactly. So please, please <laughs> drop in if you are remotely interested. And it'll also give you a little flavor for uh, the next time around we we do this book. Yeah. Um, so you can go to our website, projectsanctus.com and go under the 846 book club uh, to the nonfiction and get the, the Zoom link and passcode to if you want to join us Tuesday, um, November 1st, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Yes. We also have uh, coming up on November 12th uh, is a day long contemplative play shop. I called it a play shop because just didn't seem it didn't seem to fit to put the word contemplative and work in the same sentence but it's um it's a contemplative play shop on liberation and it's based on the book um uh with the title love and rage um a path to liberation by lama rod owens and it's it's a conscious anti-racism uh day but but much more contemplative and we're looking at redefining our relationship with anger to love ourselves more deeply and decolonize ourselves uh, towards wholeness. Um, and so in our day together, we're going to be in conversation and contemplation and meditations and reflections, discomfort, <laughs> uh, love and joy. And we're going to end our day with a, with a, a small ritual, um, to, to bring us home on. And that's, so that's November 12th, 10 to 5 30 PM Eastern. Again, go to projectsanctus.com. You can, under the events, you can find it. We also have two other, um, um, I guess they're workshops coming up called Talking to Your People. There's one of them on November 19th from 10 to 2 p.m. Eastern. And uh, again, on December 3rd from 10 to 2 p.m. Eastern. It is not a two-parter. They, It's the same setup. Um, you could come to one or the other. Frankly, I think I would go to both because it's all about learning how to talk with your people, meaning those, you know, your loved ones, your friends, your family members about really hard things. And with the midterms and how volatile the world has become uh, and the holidays are right around the corner, we know that more and more people are struggling with these divides that are happening and, and just avoiding and ignoring difficult conversations about racism and sexism and, and, um, all forms of discrimination. Everything gets drawn along party lines and we need to 
you know, kind of reorient ourselves. And so we want to, these are told, these are really, really role play and really experiential. It's not a whole lot of, okay, just sit for a couple hours and get some information. We are going to role play and we're going to practice and you're going to get, you know, uncomfortable and you're going to just learn how to prepare before a conversation, what to do during it. And then afterwards, um, cause we're really, committed to uh, to being able to have difficult conversations. It's not necessarily about changing someone's mind as it is about keeping a connection. So that's November 19th or December 3rd. Um, again, you can go to the website, projectsanctus.com to learn more about that. Um, I, your thing about the role playing and coming to both sessions, um, that's not a small thing because if different people mm-hmm. are showing up for the different sessions, we may ha- we will have different scenarios that maybe people yes. present for us to role play. Yes. So it, yep. it might be good. It might be good to drop in on both um, as well. Um, all right. So let's get to some uh, some 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 headlines you might have missed, some you might have heard of um, that all fit into the context of the work we do. Uh, Lift Me Up is what we call the episode Ugh. because Barbados's greatest export, Rihanna, <laughs> after six <laughs> years of basically not giving us any new music, but during that time, uh, becoming a billionaire. I think she's a billionaire now, I think, with all her, uh, you know, her makeup products, the lingerie line, everything, you know, she is, she's killing it. But uh, last night she dropped a new track that's going to be part of the um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie. I don't know if you've got your Black Panther tickets yet, but I got mine. And uh, that movie is dropping November 11th. I realized, you know, a while back I had said, you know, I'm not flying back to Barbados till November 15th because I wanted to wait to make sure, you know, I was here for the midterms. Um, I got my uh, I got my mail in ballot ready to drop in the uh, in the mail right now. But I want to make sure that they get it. And if they don't right. get it, then I'll go vote in person with a provisional ballot. But, you know, you can track these things. Um, yep. I think realize, I think unconsciously us, us waiting for Black Panther to come out <laughs> before I flew home. I, <laughs> I want, I want to see it in IMAX <laughs> and yeah. I have my Black Panther. Yes. I open a night. I'm there. Me and me nice. and Black America going to turn out. But, but Rihanna dropped in absolutely oh my God. beautiful tearjerker of a song. Y'all, yep. the tears were flowing and I checked the time it was. 57 seconds into the damn song and, and, and the tears are flowing. You, you lasted longer than I did. Jesus. Oh my God. Yes, so early Beautiful. this morning I'm texting Ogan and like, you know, if you could have heard my voice, I'm like, have you heard Rihanna's new song? That <laughs> Seriously. You know, um, uh, and it's a, it it's just, a tribute to, uh, to Chadwick Boseman who yeah. played back, uh, Black Panther in the first movie, but uh, consummate actor, and and he died of colon cancer, uh, forty three years old. Yeah, I mean, same disease, same age. My wife died uh, seven years ago, mm. um, and so so all of that, all of that, just like working its way up in me. And fifty seven seconds in, I'm I'm crying, you know, and oh, beautiful. So please, please go listen to that track. Um, well, yeah. I, and I, 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 yeah, I want people to go listen to it because the, the same thing happened to me when I was listening to it. I was just, um, I just, there's been so much going on in my life and my beloved died 20 years ago mm, and yeah. there's, you know, there's, it's gotten, you know, it gets, you learn how to navigate the landscape over time. And 
once in a while, there's something, maybe more than once in a while, but something that goes on that you want to rush to the person, whether it's good news or not, but the person you want to share it with. And the last few months for me have been really hard. And in part because can't rush to Frank, you know, and, and um, with the good news and the real crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I was listening to this song, and this is why it's, it was so, uh, one reason it was so meaningful for me was one, it was that it was, you know, I was grieving that and listening to the words. And as I was listening to it, the, the, the words lift me up, hold me down, keep me close, safe and sound, um, burning in a hopeless dream, hold me when you go to sleep, keep me in the warmth of your love. Mm. There was all these words that were, you know, drowning in an endless sea, take some time and stay with me, keep me in the strength of your arms. They were all things that I realized I wanted all of those for me, but I want that for all of everyone. Yeah. Um, that, that when we talk about you know, doing communal healing and that embodied anti-racism is really, you know, communal work and doing it together. It's, I want to be able, I want someone to know what she was, those words um, within a community and that, that everyone knows the, the, the idea of being lifted up and, you know, um, keeping, you know, having a sense of safety and keeping someone close. And like, you know, I'm having a lot of days lately of drowning in an endless sea, as she words it. Preach. And um, I just, it really, really struck me as, I don't know, anthem is such a terrible word to use, but it's the idea of it to to lift each other. You know, when, an- when anthem, anthem is the most appropriate word to use yeah when remembering that i know i want to i want to get onto the other headlines but i really i I just i was so moved by it and as something that reminds me that when i lift up one voice we're all lifted so go listen to the song get the you know write the lyrics down make it your you know your your mantra your meditation make it your your to-do list today you know yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, make make it your anthem. Like anthem. Yes. Anthem is a great word. It, it, that uh, was for, what came to mind listening to it. I'm like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm it's my you. new anthem. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, speaking of lifting up all voices, um, as we've been as we've been reminding you, um, you know, uh, the midterms are coming up. November 8th is voting day. People are already early voting. And of course, the fuckery is happening at polls. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. give me strength. Yeah. Masked poll watchers are showing up at some random voting sites with handguns. Uh, they were in a bulletproof vest. It is like um, it's it's isolated. Um, there were some instances in Arizona. Um, I think there are some actual like other random things. They're not armed poll watchers, but you know, poll watchers who are from a certain party. Let's just call it the party what it is: Republican Party, who are there to watch the polls. I don't know what the hell they think they're watching, uh, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, and wearing tactical gear, you know, so, tactical military yeah. gear. And they're putting, they're covering up their license plates on their cars. Yeah. Um, I mean, and let's be ugh. clear: what this, this is, this is voter intimidation, which yes. is illegal. Yes. To be clear, and one of the oldest voter suppression tactics in the playbook, and yep. it is insane. So I, we're, I'm putting this out there to remind you that a. You know, you can mail in the ballot and, and I mm-hmm. think in 
I don't want to say every state because I'm not clear about this, but most states you can mail in a ballot, you can do early voting, um, and also know that this is illegal. So if you feel unsafe, um, anytime you go to polling booth and see someone standing there with guns or whatever, I mean, report it. Voters, yeah. Voter intimidation uh, at polls is illegal, but it's 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 happening it's it's well and and uh, if and if you can avoid going alone like if listening to this story makes you feel nervous you know and if you don't have access to early voting or mail-in you know don't go alone i mean make it a party minimum yep a voting party yeah you go you know go vote and go out for pizza and beers you know like but yeah it is illegal go report it yeah what the hell I, I, I know, but 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 part of why this is happening is because we have increasingly so many states that um, have made it legal now to carry a gun yeah. without a permit. Yeah. This is, I can't imagine the in, in, insanity around this. Uh, you know, we, we got we to gotta have permits to drive, got a license to drive, but in... You have to go hunting. To go to go hunting, to go fishing. You need a fishing to go permit. go fishing. I know. I, <laughs> that I don't understand. No. You need a fishing permit. But in many states, Texas became one of the, the latest yep. of them. You can carry a, you can carry a handgun and you don't, you don't need a permit. You, some states, yep. you can buy a... a, a firearm as early as 18 years old so at 18 in some states you can go buy a gun you don't need a permit nothing to to carry this weapon you can't drink though can't well you know what? that might be the saving grace at least there's well, well least i know three years you're not gonna get drunk and do something stupid with the gun but well, if you're 18 yeah i won't say it i was gonna say if you're 18 and you're out buying a bunch of uh handguns and whatever you're probably drinking at times Oh but that was that was probably a little too too now, stereotyped. Um, in 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 some of these states, you still have to do a a, a background check um, mm-hmm. when you when you purchase the firearm. In some states, there's a waiting period. Um, in some states, that waiting period, you usually walk up with a gun, but the waiting period is if then something appears, they, they will call you back in. Um, but but yeah, it is. I can't. I can't. I can't with the world right now. And these mm-hmm. are the yahoos that are showing up at, at, at polling stations. Right. Um, and, well, and it, Alabama, and it, mm-hmm. yeah, Alabama goes into effect in January. Yeah. And when that happens, at least half of the country. Yeah. Half of our country will be not require permits. And, and, and I never thought I'd say something overtly in favor of law enforcement, but this makes their job that much harder. Right. Because right. now now they don't, especially in those states, the assumption has to be that anyone they face may be armed, which makes them more trigger happy, which means more black people are going to get killed. Yes. Let's just let's just call it, just it what it more gun violence. Is, right. So we're making we're making an already tough job on an already trigger happy triggered law enforcement even tougher. This is not going to end well. And for some reason, well, I know the reason. The reason is all about uh, political favoritism. The reason is all about um, funding and getting money. We, uh, you know, we we have more and more states, especially with Republican legislators, legislature, legislators, 
legislators. Yeah. Who are, who are making this happen. And it is can't with the world. Well, I'm using the, you know, the second amendment, you know, to, to exactly a, a, an armed militia. Okay. I... It's what, well, well, you know, again, quote in it, well-regulated. There's nothing well-regulated about every nope. person 18 and up going out and buying a gun there. That's no regulation at all. <laughs> There's right. no organization that is mass deadly chaos. Um, and, and in an, in an interesting twist, however, um, there was a survey done on of black voters, and this uh, this is from thegrio.com. If you guys don't know about the Grio, you got to go check out the Grio. It's a great new site uh, for Black America. Um, it turns out that most black voters that they surveyed actually support funding and or increased funding for police. I remember um, during his State of the Union, um, the first one that he gave, uh, President Biden not only said, uh, uh, I'm not pro defund the police, he mm-hmm. said the answer is to fund them with resources and training that need to protect our communities. And I think last right. week you mentioned that funding has gone up uh, for police departments. And so, so this survey was done. It was August 24th through 5th. And they found that 17% of Black voters supported decreasing funding for police, for police departments in their area. And in fact, 34% would like to see the funding increase. Uh, and a majority, about 48%, are good with how it is right now. Um, it says, additionally, survey found Black voters living in urban areas are somewhat more likely to support increased police funding compared to those in suburban areas, so like 39 to 29%. Um, so when you think about it, it kind of sort of makes sense, I guess, because if you still picture law enforcement as um, the number one, either deterrent to crime or answer to when crime happens, um, yes, more crime occurs in cities. Cities are generally more populated by black and brown folks um, and Asian folk uh, minorities. And yes, there is more crime. And it's not because they're populated by these people. It's because, again, systems put in place, uh, disenfranchise folks. Then we also, you know, the heal of COVID uh, as well. Yeah. And prices of housing going up, every price of everything's going up. So crime ticks up as well. So, you know, there's all these uh, false corollaries being made, correlations. Corollary? Am I saying that word right? Corollary? What she said. Um, right. <laughs> being made between like, you know, again, it's city, more, more black and brown folks, therefore more crime. And no, that's, that's not the why the crime, the, the crime is, is the result of just bad policies and bad systems yeah. in place disproportionately affecting black and brown people in cities. Cause there are more of them there. Um, and then as a result, they're like, give them, give the police more money to help protect us. And it's, yeah, it's. Uh, I was surprised to see this, and but also sort of understood well, where it was coming from. Yeah, and and I'd be. I would also, you know, I'd have to dig a little deeper into it, but I would want to know what the questions were. Um, it is all about because, the questions, isn't it? Well, you know, it it if if the percentage of um, the people that they asked, um, and they only asked black people who identify as black 
or African-American. Um, and it was only, it wasn't a lot of people like a thousand maybe, but I mean, they, it was spread across. So, um, but, but I wonder about, so 48% say they want to kept it the same 34%. They wanted to increase funding. But my question then is wondering what does increase funding like, was there questions about how the funding's used? Mm. That that's and maybe it's in there and I didn't catch it. I yeah. just um, so that, I it and, right. And to be clear, um, it's not saying that they don't also want to see other investments in their communities, mm-hmm. like housing investments, education investments, all those sort of things. So it's right. not a it's not an either or as we often talk about. Is yeah. it's a it's a both and. Um, so so yes. Um, and I think what we what we should probably start doing is putting the links to all these articles on Facebook <laughs> and in the show but notes. But that makes sense on our on our <laughs> on our podcast when we when we put the podcast episode up as you're listening. Yeah. you should look in you can look in the description and see links to these articles. So we should probably start doing that. I I don't know. Well, why that would before. mean being organized and whatnot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. There's there's that. Um, <laughs> Um, and you know, I should, you know, we, we could probably do the Facebook ones now. Why don't we do that yep. now? Yeah. Pop so while, um, I'm going to, I want to jump over to, uh, to do the it. headline, um, around the dangerous beauty. There's a, a couple of articles from, uh, the Washington post, um, this past week around, um, you know, we're being warned that, um, that so there's this uh what's what's gone on in america is that you know straight hair is you know the is preferred and so um uh, anyone who's non-white that has hair that's different than white folks have been you know there's been a lot of straightening you know chemicals used to straighten hair and to, it has hair that's different uh, to make it um been, you know there's been a oh, lot of stri- I can I can hear there you go <laughs> I can hear I'm like wait what's that uh so there's so in in our um the, the it's called dangerous beauty the one article because we've known that there's this from a um a racist point of view um black women straightening their hair and and um uh, because it's straight hair is more preferred is preferred more in 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 our culture in the job in lots of places but what's what's happening is there's um is that it's not just ethically or morally unhealthy it's physically unhealthy um and that there's this this new evidence from the national institutes of health that women who frequently used chemical hair straighteners which uh um, was defined as more than four times a year uh, were twice as likely to develop uterine cancer as those who didn't use the products at all Um, the study didn't find that the occurrence of cancer differed by race but it observed that black women were more susceptible to it because they were more likely to straighten their hair and um and started doing so at a relatively long young age which is what's really just so disturbing about it uterine cancer is actually pretty rare um but you know this so the fact that it shows up in you know in these in groups and linked to hair straighteners as well as permanent hair dye um is linked to an increase in breast and ovarian cancer. So it's, it is this dangerous beauty 
that not only is holding up, you know, white standard as the beauty, um, just wrong and, uh, you know, um, pushing forward, you know, a, a, you know, racist agenda as though, you know, the straight hair, the blonde, the, um, you know, lighter skin and what your body looks like, all these things that make up what's, you know, considered beautiful in this country. And, and yet it's the, all the chemicals, the acetones, the lacquers, I mean, the hair straighteners, the dyes are killing us quicker, which means killing black women mostly quicker because they're more likely to use the products. Um, and uh, this is not a call to go back to the hot combs. This is a <laughs> call to to do away with the to do away with the standard to yeah. to, to really take a look at um, um, valuing all hairstyles, all beauty standards, um, and not some over the other. Yes, like skin lighteners, uh, wrinkle reducers. Um, yep, still a thing. Oh, I I well, I remember when I first learned I must have been in I must have been in high school I think I'm trying to remember when I learned about that that people used skin lighteners mm-hmm. and I remember like well why would you do that because here I was in the summertime I'm working to get a nice dark tan and that the um, weird irony though we got <laughs> we got we got the brown people trying to lighten their skin and then we got the white people trying to tan Ugh. Well, because I, I look fabulous with a tan. That was always my rationale. But so when I learned about skin lighteners, I remember thinking, well, why would you want to do that? Um, I mean, one, why would you want to do that? Because at the time, I, I didn't know. I didn't understand. Right. Um, and then, then you know, eventually you tack on, because I'm, I'm trying to get a tan, and I, I tan very quickly. But I just didn't, I remember thinking, why would you want to lighten your skin? And, and now um, it's just disturbing. Yeah. And ever increasing ways. In fact, yep. one of the one of the other stories that went along with it was that um, there's a woman that uh, she was diagnosed with cancer at 28 and she's bringing a lawsuit um, um, because she at 28, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer, underwent a hysterectomy. And um, so, of course, can't have children. Um, and that was pretty much what she always dreamed of. But she's brought a, uh, a federal lawsuit um, um, because she blames the hair products, the straighteners, for the uterine cancer. And she named five companies in defend- as defendants, including L'Oreal. Um, but she's she's alleging that it was the chemical hair straighteners applying to her scalp for decades, which caused her cancer, um, which she says doesn't run in her family. And I'm like, oh, there's going to be more of these showing up. Yeah. And now she's now now she's got some she's got some science to back her up. Yep. Um, as well. All right. Um, let's see where, 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 where else we want to go from here. Oh, uh, so let's, let's do this one. Um, since you were talking about, um, this woman not being able to, um, get pregnant. Um, Mm. um, it apparently it turns out that, uh, black infants born after fertility treatments are at significantly higher risk of death than white infants. So, um, so part of, part of the generalized thinking was that, um, disparity in infant mortality rates are related to 
affluence, especially among people who are doing like using assistive reproductive technology, right? Because you got you got to have a certain amount of money in the bank to go do yeah. IVF and stuff like that. Um, so, so they, I guess, the general assumption was um, if um, both black women and white women are doing these um, assistive reproduction techniques, that means they got some money in the bank. Therefore, we're eliminating that uh, both class and and um, what do you call it, uh, financial um, um, disparities in terms of afterbirth care. Um, right. So people, so they were thinking originally that, you know, that takes care of that, but then they, they found out that, um, um, that when um, babies are conceived using assisted reproductive technology, that the neonatal mortality rate was four times higher among babies of black women. Um, when it was natural, it was twofold with assistive technologies, it is fourfold. And wow. this was kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a shock. And I think they're trying to still figure out um, what's going on here, but it, what they're coming to realize is it seems that um, those socioeconomic disparities um, still, still exist regardless of, of how much money you have in the bank. It still exists between uh, between between races, races. Um, I thought I said racist there for a minute. Um, <laughs> right, that's not what I meant to say. Um, um, so it's not it's not so much. So there was this assumption that it was that um, if the socioeconomic disparity was there wasn't for, much of it was eliminated. Yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. So whether regardless of of white, non-white, you know, black as well, that it was that their the infant mortality rate mm -hmm. would probably be about the same is that kind of yes. what the assumption yes. was yeah um there were also uh those disparities was also large among asian and pacific islander and hispanic women which were both about um almost twice as many uh neonatal deaths when using assisted reproductive technology wow. um and interestingly during spontaneous conception as a non-assisted technology, Asian and Pacific Islanders have a 10% lower rate of infant death than, than white women. So, so that's a lot of numbers and a lot of facts, but basically it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So um, did, do we know why? No, we don't. The study, the study's okay. just given, the study's just given the results. So now they're okay. like, we got to go figure out what is, what is happening here. Um, so to read it, so this is on CNN.com. And again, I'll post a link on Facebook and in our uh, uh, show notes uh, for the podcast. It says um, this study. So this is by Dr. Amy, I can't pronounce his last name, Eva Zeta, a San Francisco based reproductive endocrinologist. And she was not involved in the study, but she said this study should send shockwaves through fertility centers, OBGYN clinics, high risk OBGYN clinics everywhere. Anyone who uses medically assisted reproduction to get pregnant should be designated as a high-risk pregnancy and get additional monitoring during pregnancy and especially after. I bet that's where it is, is the after. The aftercare. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's see. And also, wow. um, Black women are about three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women. 
um, and multiple factors contribute to disparities in maternal minorities, such as differences in having access to quality healthcare, underlying right. chronic conditions, structural racism, implicit bias. Yeah, all the things. All the things. Black women just can't catch a break. Oh my God. No, Jesus. no. You know, and it really, and it really, um, uh, you know, points to the, the danger of the single story, right? Like really, cause I would have, I, I know there's a part of me that was thinking, well, if there's, you know, if, if I have two women in front of me, a black woman and a white woman, and they both have the, the, the financial resources and their, you know, their health insurance or whatever to, to engage in, you know, IVF and, you know, assist assistance in getting pregnant, then, um, then why, you know, um, mm. why such a difference, why such a disparity in the death rates? Because um, yeah. in my mind, I think it's like, okay, if you had the access to actually get pregnant, there's an assumption you'd have access to aftercare yes. after you've given birth. Yeah. And um, so they're pretty clear. Then now they're pretty clear, but, but that's the, that's the lead in suspect yeah. here in, in this situation, um, access to, to the postnatal uh, care. Um, speaking of black women not catching a break, uh, Brittany Griner, um, mm. I really hope this name is um, familiar to everyone. If it isn't, please look her up. Brittany Griner, she was an NBA player who a few... WNBA. WNBA. Mike, there, did it again. My bad. WNBA <laughs> player. Just WNB saying. player. There's my there's my invisible internalized patriarchy right there. WNBA <laughs> player. You're laughing, but I'm serious. She was arrested. Yeah, I know. Russian... I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just. I know. Uh, it, she was arrested in Russian airport some months ago because uh, she had like again doctor prescribed um, like um, marijuana cartridges, hash oil, vaping, hash oil, uh, and um, that's illegal in Russia. So they detained her and basically threw the book at her. And now yeah. she just, uh, she was appealing, lost the appeal. And now she's being sentenced to nine years in a penal colony, which is basically going to be like possibly hard labor and, and stuff like that. Um, and again, the reason she's there is because WNBA players make so much less money than NBA players. I had that thought in my head when I said NBA earlier, no excuse. <laughs> No excuse, but that's where it was going with this. This is why she was in Russia in the first place. It was uh, many WNBA players make more money playing in the off season in Russia. So that's a common thing. If we didn't have those economic disparities in terms of paying women basketball players, women in general, but women basketball players here in the US, they wouldn't have to go to Russia in the off season to play, to make money. And, and so, so I hate to say, but this is not all Russia's fault. <laughs> yes. Russia is yeah. using her as an example. You know, uh, there's talk about the only way she's getting it now is if there's some kind of prisoner exchange. Um, and it's, it's not looking good for, for the time she's going to be there. All sorts of horror stories coming out of, of, of those penal colonies. Um, but, but this is well, also on the abuse by the guards. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, nothing gets reported. Sleep deprivation, lack of, lack yeah. of basic hygiene, um, assaults on prisoners. Um, and again, but this is, this is also on us. This is also on us again, not, not 
you know, being as much of a fan of women's sports generally, um, thinking um, women's basketball games and other women's sports are less than men's sports and the players are lesser than male players. I mean, we just we just had this whole thing with the women's soccer team who were yeah. in friggin' World Cups. And the men's soccer team can't even get out of qualifying rounds, and they were, and the men were making more than the women. Um, right. And, and the women had to sue, and now, and now they funny, uh, you know, they settled that, and they'll be paid the same. Um, you know, um, um, kudos to Serena and Venus Williams, <clears throat> who fought for years in the tennis world to get equal pay for women, even uh, as as the women players were filling up stadiums. Um, you know, and um, so so once again when you have inequalities and these are these are gender-based inequalities again disproportionately affecting black women um so so please uh keep the attention on on britney griner um and yeah so let me ask let me ask you a question that i often hear as a rebuttal okay. uh, that um okay true uh the women you know wnba players make much less than nba Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, what she was earning, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I'd say yes, please, you know, in my position. And so the rebuttal often is, well, then learn to live within the means of your paycheck. Well, it's not about living <clears throat> within the means of your paycheck. It's about, it's about the disparity for doing the same job. Well, I get, no, I understand that, but she, you know, going somewhere else to earn, you right, know, no, but I'm saying that's my to rebuttal to income. your rebuttal. That's my rebuttal to your rebuttal. When someone says live within your live within your means, live within your paycheck. Yeah. That that's what do you call it? The straw man argument? That's that's not the point. <laughs> I know, no, I know. That's but I wanted to bring forward. Oh, gotcha. I know that. Okay. I know that. I'm just I wanted you know. to and I to because because I hear it and see it on social media a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's so not it was argument. your it was your choice to go go make money over there, you know, because you could just learn to live with the income you get. And yes, it's a, you know, it's a distraction. That's not the point. Yes. Um, it's just, okay. I wanted to bring it forward because I wasn't coming for you. I, just, I was getting, I was getting angry on her behalf. <laughs> yes. I no, I got it. I just, I, I wanted it. I wanted, I want people to hear that. That's not, yeah. that's not an answer. Exactly. Um, it's not about that. It's, mm. it's about the, the um, disparity. So anyway. <sighs> Um, speaking of speaking of other disparities, um, and why again people shouldn't have guns and why people should grow up, <laughs> um, drag queen story time at Oregon at this Oregon pub draws gun toting protesters. I can't with the world right now, <laughs> seriously. So, we're in, we're in Eugene, Oregon, right. And there's there's this uh, there's this Oregon pub which uh, for quite some time uh, they had Sunday story time and it was a you know a drag queen event and apparently what happened was one of the participants of the event was an 11 year old so apparently this this threw some some gas on that ridiculous bonfire of drag queens equals grooming equals we got to go save the children right right so they showed up 
with guns. They showed up uh, throwing rocks. They had smoke bombs. These people who are trying to save the children from the giant queens. And I just can't even. And what this brought up for me, interestingly enough, as we talk about uh, the grooming of the children, was um, where are these protesters at? like children beauty pageants right when we have right you know yes 10 9 10 11 year old uh, even younger sexualizing a six-year-old sticking exactly doing their hair and makeup and and dancing and you know right sexualizing a six-year-old where are you then where where are you then right um so Well, and they're claiming that, you know, coming down on this drag queen story hour, claiming you want to protect children. Oh, only particular ones? Or, you know, how about protecting the children from these neurotic mothers who, you know, let's let's put your five-year-old in a bikini and, you know. So so drag queen story hour. So as an FYI, drag queen story hour is actually a national project conceived as a means to educate and entertain children by appealing to their imaginations and as a result of this um because of this right wing um you know crazy crazy rhetoric um these folks showed up in eugene oregon and the organizers said that the protests were actually frightening and endangering the participants i know Um, so they're the ones causing freaking out the kids yeah, we need to protect our children from the people that want to protect our children. Um, yeah, exactly. I love the pub, though. The pub said that um, we love you all so much. We're never going to back down to hate, um, you know, that, um, you know, they're standing up against those that are, you know, um, you know, perpetrating violence against queer youth and LGBTQ um, places of business. And um, I really hope they they stand on that. I really, I really hope they do too, um, and I think they will. I think they will um, because um, there, there's there's support for them in the town. Yeah, I mean it's it's Oregon for goodness sakes. You know, Pacific West. I, I mean, generally, um, um, yes, I am generalizing here because there's there's people there's there's people on both sides of the fence in every state. Like we're not we're not a red and blue country. We it's, it's purple through and through. Right. right. Um, but but folks on the uh, folks in the Pacific Midwest, um, my understanding, tend to be more liberal leaning. Um, but again, maybe that's changed. I don't know. Well, I, I think know. it. Yeah. Depend- so, in, in the Northwest, but depends if you're in. OK, so here's a good stereotype, you know, in yes. the mountains or not. There you go. Um, yeah. Well, and, and the it's uh, this drag queen story hour has been going on for what seven years. I know. I know. Doing absolutely zero harm to anybody. Zero yeah. harm. Doing lots of good. Um, speaking of good, let's I'm ready to wrap up. Are you ready to wrap up? Like, yeah. The, the world's yeah. the world's, <laughs> the world's bringing me down. The world's bringing me down. But let's let's add um with um a little bit of good news. We started with some good news and now we're gonna add with some good news. I think we should always do it this way. Let's let's yeah, add okay. on a, start on a high note and then get slapped in the face with some reality and then <laughs> <laughs> end, on another a, a, high note. end on another high note. Yeah. 
so some pulses stamps that are rolling out in 2023 are giving flowers to some great authors. Ernest G. Gaines and Toni Morrison, legendary Toni Morrison, will be the honorees who will receive new stamps from the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, this is this is amazing. Um, giving these people their flowers that are long overdue, helping to raise awareness um, around black authorship and black books. Um, Toni Morrison, best known for her works, Blue Eye, Selma Salmon, beloved. She, be, she was the first African American woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature um, in 1993. Um, and then Ernest Gaines, he's the, he wrote the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Um, and he holds honorary degrees from 19 universities, honorary doctorates from 19 universities. I even have an actual doctorate from one university, <laughs> right? Right. Much yeah. less 19 honorary ones. Um, so, so please look out for those stamps. Please go buy them and help also support the United States Post Office so that they don't become uh, privatized as well. Um, you know, I Other, also want to, yes, were you going to talk about? Well, there um, were also, I was going to talk about some other stamp designs rolling out. Yeah. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is getting some stamps and they're also paying homage to the U.S. women's soccer um, team organization. Um, so, or rather U.S. women's soccer with the stamp depicting a female soccer player. So those are coming down the pike as well, as you were about to say. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention Ruth Bader Ginsburg because there's there's been this steady rise in um, anti-Semitic uh, rhetoric and violence. And oh, Lord, um, you're gonna make me talk about Kanye, aren't you? No, I okay. I didn't say it. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it up. So edit that part out. Uh, but I just no, that, wanted that to. Stays to <laughs> yeah, I just wanted. We don't to, edit. We keep we keep it all in. that and that. Um, <laughs> That because we because you know as uh, so last week we did a, a big chunk of a workshop on about intersectionality mm -hmm. and so it we you know bringing it kind of full circle with the good news is you know that there is this intersectionality of you know race and gender and you know religion all these different aspects of our identity and um, so that when you know our conversations are not solely about race it's about because yeah. nothing happens in a silo. There's no one one facet to our identity. So I wanted to be sure to, you know, mention the others, you know. Yes. Uh, and, when we, and, when, and when our intersectionality workshop rolls around again, please, everyone take it um, as well. Uh, earlier this week, you had <laughs> you had asked me about if we're going to put Kanye in use. And I was like, I don't want to give that man any more airtime. <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't. I kind of really don't, and, I, and I'm not. I don't going want to, to give beep any more airtime. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. But you know, my my only my only upset around this whole issue is that when he was talking trash about black people, corporations were not walking away. They were not. You know, when right. when he was yeah, when he would talk about slate, you know. Slavery, slavery was a choice and all that nonsense, you know, when he was on his, uh, in his anti-blackness rhetoric, uh, nobody was walking away. Um, you know, one, some made the argument that this was accumulation of all these things. And he reached a, reached a point, uh, where they could no longer stand by, uh, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think that, uh, it's, it's a bigger indication of, uh, corporations again, um, not, not honoring black folk. 
not standing not standing up for black folk when he's going on his anti-blackness rhetoric um and yeah so that's all i gotta say about that and i never liked his shoes to begin with i don't i never got the fascination <laughs> you know props to his early music everybody everybody loves early kanye you know that college dropout series was just like mm. yeah. you know but but anyways that's that's all i got on him that's that's all we have for today <laughs> See, and I'm the one that asked the question, but I kept my lips sealed. You're very good at what you do. <laughs> Sometimes. Put it that way. As always, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Um, find us on all your podcast platforms. Tell your friends about us. Rate the podcast wherever you are. If you have those friends who don't know what a podcast is, please tell them they can still listen uh, online with loveandjustice.podbean.com. Um, visit projectsanctus.com for all the workshops, events that are going on. And you can also um, drop some donations to help keep the train running. Uh, we love you all. We appreciate you all. Please, please, please make sure you go out and vote and do what you can where you live to support uh, fair elections, free elections, support democracy. It means you got to get, get on a phone bank somewhere else and help support someone. Uh, go ahead and do that as well. Um, and yeah. Uh, we'll 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 see on the other side of the on the on the midterms. I'm really wondering if my um, escape into Barbados in November November 15 is a bit uh, what's the word uh, prescient prescient prescient. Yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. A premonition. <laughs> get, get, get nut while it's still there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, prescient's the right word, but more people know a premonition. There, 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 there you go. Um, recognizing, recognizing my privilege to do so and to run, run for your life, run while I can. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'll be, I'll be back. No worries. It's really all about winter. I'll be back. All right. So until next time, folks, let's get our holy on. on.